Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, see the world from a woman's point of view. A very good day to you, Mzansi. Welcome to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. The show is produced by Hazel Makuzeni. And today we have Ricardo McCarthy driving our show. Our contact details are 0892102010. Email otherwise at SAFM. .co.za tweets at otherwise SAFM or at Shadow Twala. Now, I must tell you that there will be changes to our programming today. It's slightly shorter in order to bring you the special broadcast of Minister Ntlantlan in his mini-budget speech. On the show today, we meet Chido Govera, who, as an 11-year-old orphan, learned about mushroom farming to feed her family. And now at 27, she has founded the Future of Hope Foundation, She'll join me on the phone to talk to us about her plans and a symposium that they'll be holding next month. Then Danae Willie, CEO of Rainbow Academy, a school of performing arts and business, invites us to their spectacular Halloween gala dinner. But first. Sure, these wise words, the lunch bite on SAFM. And the wise words are found whereby my guest, Chido Govera, she, she says, at the age of eight, I told myself this is something I would like to stop when I grow older. I want to be able to reach out to other orphans and make sure that they never have to experience what I experienced. This hope of helping made me stronger. It made me have something to look forward to every day, even though I had no idea how to achieve it. Show's so good, we won't blame you if you can't pick a favorite. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Hello, Chido Govera. Welcome to Otherwise. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Um, Chido, congratulations on founding the Future of Hope Foundation. Just take us back a bit. Um, you were you were an orphan at the age what seven? I was an orphan at the age of seven. Yes. And how did you get into mushroom farming? Oh, it was a lot of things. So I became an orphan when I was seven years old. And then by the time I was nine, I was out of school because I could not afford to work during the day and um, and earn food for my nuclear family, which consisted of my grandmother, who was almost over 100 years old, mm. and my little brother, who was uh, only around, uh, who was two years younger than me. And so I had to make a choice. So I continued to go to school and then come to school, try to take firewood, take water and all these things. All um, a burden for one young girl, so I decided to leave school and to work full time. So I was turning to other people's children, I was taking food for other people in the village, I was working in their gardens, just to get a bowl of maize meal or tool. So those things that I needed at home. Chido, Chido, I'm I'm battling to I'm I'm battling to hear you a, a, a bit. I think can you try and talk into your phone, please? Yes, yes, I'll do that. <laughs> so, by the time I was ten years old, I was already offered to marry because uh, a relative of mine was uh, coming to me and saying, "I see that you're struggling, and your only way to get out of this is if you get married." Mm. And I refused to marry. And then she came back to me, she said, well, I tried to help you, but I want you to know that from now on, you're on your own because you turned down the only way I could help you. Hmm. So I was alone at the age of 10. I refused to marry. 
when I was 11 years old, there was a message from Africa University the, through the United Methodist Church in my area that they were training young orphans to farm mushrooms. And because I was out of school and um, uh, the lady who was from the church and also working with orphans in my community, when she got that message immediately, she came and asked if I could join. And I went. And that is how it started. That is how my journey with mushrooms started. And this was a training which was sponsored by the Zeri Foundation, which is founded by Gunther Pauli. Mm. And in the, in the meantime, what, what were your siblings doing? Did they manage to go to school? What happened to your nuclear family? So when I stopped going to school, I was uh, working to raise funds for sending my brother to school. In that time, there was also an organization which would pay around 50% of the school fees, and then I had to raise the other part. And when we could negotiate a way through, we would have the full uh, school fee for my brother paid, but it was not so easy to extend that. When I left the village to go to the university to learn more about mushrooms when I was 12, my brother had to stop going to school because I, I could not, uh, uh, um, the, first, the first times I could not afford it. And then I could pay again, and then he had to go to school. So he had to be really in and out of school several times uh, because I had to work to earn the money. Mm-hmm. And and you, you obviously didn't just learn to mushroom farm, but you also uh, decided to reach out to other women across the continent. I mean, you could have just learned and, and looked after yourself. What made you reach out to more women? Well, what made me to reach out to more women is because when I was eight years old, I looked around and I saw how my life was, and it was not it was not an easy life. And I told myself that I want to commit my life to making sure that other young girls never have to experience the things that I experienced. Because, there, yeah, there's a lot of things that happen when you don't have a parent, when you don't have a mother especially. Mm-hmm. A lot of things happen to you and you have no way of helping yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. And so when I learned to grow mushrooms, I realized I could secure food. And food has always been a very, very important centerpiece in in trying to speak out to abuse and things like that. I was told if I report that people were doing things to me, there's no food for me in the evening. Or that I would be sent away to look for my father. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Mm-hmm. And from the moment I could provide for my own food... A lot of things changed. The, a lot of the threats were out of the way because if I was able to grow my own food, and if I have food, then the other persons, including my abusers, would have food as well. Mm-hmm. So that changed a lot of things. When I was uh, 16, I went back to school. When I was in school, I, was, I kept thinking about, what am I doing here? I have a skill that I can use to change lives now. So by the time I was 20, after doing my uh, my metric, I said, I don't want to go to school anymore, and I want to go back and do full-time engagement with people on the ground. And yes, I've been traveling around the world, teaching women in different places. I've been teaching women in Congo, in Ghana, in Tanzania, in Cameroon. And I've also been teaching young entrepreneurs around the world to grow mushrooms using waste material that's coming from coffee, from a cafe. Mm. And so the work has really expanded, but it was really originating from that promise I made to myself. I want to make sure I can work with my hands, and I will make sure that other girls never have to experience the traumas that I experienced as a child.
Now, Chido, how, how do you identify these women that you teach across the world? Do you get invited or do you seek out uh, particular communities to work with? I, so before, before I founded the Future of Hope, I was always getting invited. And then now with the Future of Hope, what I do is I, I go to communities I invite members of the community, I introduce my project, and I extend an invitation that I would like to train young orphans in the community, and I invite the local community to support the orphans mm. in making sure that after the training, which they get for free, and I have to figure out how to sponsor that, after the training, they go get to the villages, and the local people, the men who know how to build, have to help building, we help mobilizing the initial funds to start. So right now, actually, as I'm speaking with you, I'm at a, at a, at a mushroom seed uh, production farm where I am buying mushroom seed to bring to four of communities out of the five which I trained last year in November. Mm-hmm. And so I, they already built their mushroom houses. Now I have to bring the mushrooms spawn for them so they can start growing the mushrooms. So what happens to the mushrooms when they grow, apart from feeding the orphans, but there must be a surplus of some kind. What, what happens? Do they then sell them? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a very good question that you ask. Actually, the focus is not just to feed themselves. The focus is to feed themselves and to feed their community. Mm-hmm. And the way they feed their community is not by giving handouts. They grow enough mushrooms that they can feed themselves, and then they can sell the mushrooms to the local community. Mm. But what's been very interesting is that if you look at mushroom prices here in Harare and mushroom prices in the communities where these people are growing and selling mushrooms, you actually have more people in those communities now who buy mushrooms at a fair price because they understand fully the benefits of eating the mushrooms. So they are not just feeding themselves, they're selling to the community, bringing a uh, a different food to the community and earning some money which they are in turn using for securing some of their basic needs. We have examples of communities where some of the kids were just in their final year before an exam and they could not afford to pay the fees and out of that money they can address such things. Sanitary wear is one of the things that is also very difficult for girls in, in these situations. Mm. Through the money they raise from the, pro- the project, they can secure that. You have other people who are on HIV and AIDS medication, and sometimes they miss only $1 to go to the city where they get medication for free. Mm. And from their mushroom cells, they can actually afford to send someone to buy to get the medication. And so it's been a lot of relief. It's, it's growing the mushrooms, eating what they can eat and selling what they can sell. But it's also just uh, creating a great social cohesion program. I mean, so, uh, communities become one and they, they you know, they, they, they work together and, and together they can improve their lot wherever they live. That's very true. It's a, and, and, you know, the nice thing about the mushroom thing is that you have a lot of people who say we care for orphans, but we have nothing to offer. And in this case, when I was going to the communities and saying, you know what, you can support the orphans in your community even just by giving them cow dung, by giving them corn spooks that they can use to grow their mushrooms. And you see that people really, they step forward and they want to help. Mm. People with a small piece of land which they can let 
for use to their group, they can say, okay, you can use my space, you can build your mushroom house here, and you can grow your mushrooms. So, yes, it is indeed making some changes. We've been meeting uh, local councillors from the areas where we work, and when they learn about the project, they say, okay, we will do what we can to provide a piece of land where you can do your, your project, but also integrate the production of vegetables which are fertilized by the waste from mushrooms. This is uh, what I'm calling an integrated food production system, which is based on mushrooms. Mm. Where you take the waste from the mushrooms, you put that to grow vegetables, and then with the vegetables you can feed chickens, but also you can feed back some of that waste to the mushrooms, depending on what you're growing. Now, what sustains the future of Hope Foundation? You say to me now you're buying seeds uh, and you're going to give them to the community. But where do you get your money from? So mostly it's really because when I, when I, when I work, when I train a group of people who can pay, I make them pay. Mm-hmm. And out of that money, we can put uh, towards the, the com- training the communities uh, that the Future of Hope Foundation is training. And then recently we are starting also to, we, we, we're building now a center. And at that center, we've built a mushroom production unit where we are selling here in Harare. And we're trying, we're working hard to try and secure good deals where the mushrooms can be bought for a fair price. Um, and then out of that also we can, we can, uh, we can, we can raise money to sustain the future of hope. And of course we've had support from some rotary clubs and from other partners that we work with. For, for example, in November, we're getting together with a Belgian artist and with uh, a team from uh, MAD in Denmark, where we're going to put up an event about food, and then we're cooking with produce that we're making at our center, and also whatever is local to Zimbabwe, like wild food and stuff like that. And out of that, we hope to raise awareness about the work of the future of folks that we can get some uh, support. And we don't, personally, I don't want to go into that cycle of depending on donor funds mm-hmm. to go where we want to go. Mm-hmm. And this is why our focus is not just giving food handouts. Our focus is teaching how to grow the food, equipping people with diverse skills in the food production uh, area. And so that's why in November we will train them how to cook the food. So you've grown the food. If you don't know how to sell it and get some money out of it, you cannot be able to do the next thing. So we have a team of chefs from uh, from uh, MAD, uh, MAD, which is an organization by Norma Restaurant in, in Copenhagen, and, uh, and and the founder, Renee Recipe. And so we are gathering these guys, and they will help to take the girls that we train in the communities who are now growing mushrooms. They will learn how to make creative dishes using the mushrooms that they produce themselves. And with this, really, my hope is that if you are a farmer and you understand the end product or the added value product of your produce, first of all, you will have the pride that that comes with knowing that what I'm producing is golden. But at the same time, when you go to the market, you know exactly how to speak about your product, that you can be able to sell it the price that it's worth. Mm-hmm. And in communities where people say, oh, we can't buy mushrooms because we don't know how to cook them, these young girls can then build community food kitchens where they cook for the people who don't know how to cook. But at the same time, introducing new ways of eating things that are available within our boundaries. Because 
if you think about cabbage, we eat it in the same old way. Mm. Or you stew it with tomatoes and onions, or you make a coleslaw salad. And you don't make anything else out of it. Mm. And with this team from MAD, our hope is that with the mushrooms, we can make more than 20 different products mm. with wild vegetables that everybody finds. We can make more than many, many different products as a way of helping to bring this to the market and helping people to appreciate what they have and to feel happy and proud of their work as farmers. Now, are you going to stop at mushrooms or do you have other uh, aspirations for different other types of food? (laughs) (laughs) I have already many. So with the mushrooms, I told you we're integrating, uh, we're integrating vegetables, we're integrating chickens. And as I mentioned already, we are collaborating with a Belgian artist and this is an artist who has been cross-breeding chickens from different parts of the world for many, many years now. We're working now to explore possibilities of breeding a special chicken for our community project. Mm-hmm. So we are building a community chicken project based on the art, but also bringing in all the aspects of sustain- sustainable development. How do we grow a chicken which is healthy? How do we grow a chicken that can feed the communities using the materials that they have? using the vegetables that they can easily grow from the waste of the mushrooms and all these things, how to build a system around the mushroom production where we can integrate poultry, vegetable production, and the part which is the processing. Okay, so the Future of Hope then has, has, an, has uh, got the symposium coming, food for the belly, food yes. for the brain, and who should attend? Uh-huh. Who should attend, Chido? All kinds of people should attend. We are looking at exposing people to discussions that are important to be had about food. We, if we want to address issues of sustainability at every level, not just as an organization, but globally, this is a big question. And we think even when we are helping the needy, we need to bring issues of sustainability into it. And we, as well as the needy people, have to be as much part of the conversation as possible. Hmm. So, so uh, it, it happens on the third of November, and I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of uh, people get in touch with you to to find out more about it. But um, in, in I, I hope that when you do come to South Africa, and I know you do come often, uh, we can have a longer conversation because I think we need to engage you on all the good work that you're doing. I think we may have just lost Cheeto Govera there. Uh, she, she's, uh, oh my goodness. It's happening on the 3rd. It's at, uh, Christon Bank in Harare that, uh, uh, what's it called? Yeah, it's, it's the Future of Hope Organization, 136 Christon Bank, and it is in Harare. It starts at 9 o'clock in the morning if you are going to be there. Um, we're going to take a little break now, and I'll come back before the end of the show to give you details, but I think you can go on her website and uh, worldwideweb.thefutureofhope.org, uh, www.thefutureofhope.org, and hopefully we'll, we'll get to talk more to Chido Govera when she is in South Africa. We'll take a little break and come back to talk to Dine Willie. An illness, constant biting, or being active can result in brittle, loose, or fungal nail infections. Pharmaco has the effective solution for you. 
Clear Nail is a clinically proven product that treats all nail-related infections, making your nails as good as new. One Clear Nail pen can give you up to 300 applications. For amazing results, find Clear Nail at all Discam, Clicks, and independent pharmacies. For more info, visit pharmaco.co.za. Clear Nail for healthy, beautiful nails. To the employee who works around the clock, even when it's beer o'clock. That guy that keeps on working, even when the whole office has been quarantined. The one that's never late, even when it's pouring with rain. You know, that guy that never takes a day off, not even to enjoy Christmas lunch. To your most dedicated employee, who would never ever do a sexy table dance at the end of your party. To your hardest working employee, your TV. Treat him right by paying your business TV license before the end of the month. The thing that really matters is for someone to hear me. I wish my bank wouldn't forget about me just because I'm retired. If only my bank would help me save to go on that cruise we've been talking about for years. And that's what really matters. Finding a bank that cares about me. A bank like Nedbank, who offers me a 12-month fixed deposit with a great rate of 7.25% per annum. And the peace of mind my capital is guaranteed. A bank that knows I still want more from life. Make guaranteed capital growth of 7.25% happen. Another reason to join Nedbank. Visit us or call 0860-555-111 today. T&Cs apply. We're an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. Make things happen. Nedbank. Join us throughout the month of October as we put the spotlight on the Lilizela Tourism Awards, South Africa's premier travel and tourism awards, honoring the best of the best in the industry. The awards recognize and celebrate those who have worked passionately to put South Africa on the global tourism stage. You, the SAFM listener, can stand a chance of exploring one of South Africa's tourism destinations in Gauteng, KwaZulu-Natal, or the Eastern Cape. Tune in to Morning Talk from the 26th to the 30th of October between 9 a.m. and midday and stand a chance of winning a weekend getaway, a tour of Soweto, a visit to Marubing and the Stokefontein Caves, or a Lindt High Tea for two. Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, putting the ladies in the limelight. Putting the ladies in the limelight. Well, then, Danae Willey is the CEO of the Rainbow Academy, a school of performing arts and business, and she will be talking to us in a minute or so to invite us to this spectacular Halloween gala dinner. But before she even does that, I'm interested in just the work that the Rainbow Academy does. It, it opens itself up to uh, young people who, you know, youth age between 17 and 25 and really since 2010 have been working at it. And uh, they enroll something like 36 uh, students a year. And I want to know more about those students, where they come from, and give them a year's training program, exams, qualifications, and work experience in music, musical theater, business, and hospitality. We found out how that works after news headlines with Sir Utsi Lesako. Thanks, Shadow. Good afternoon. Hundreds of students are protesting outside Parliament ahead of Finance Minister Antlantanene's medium-term budget policy statement. The protesters representing various student organizations arrived by bus or on foot a short while ago. Meanwhile, students' protests have spread around South Africa with the hashtag FeesMustFall trending on social media. And the SABC says it has cash reserves to the tune of 1 billion rand as evidence of the corporation's financial stability. Details at 2 o'clock. Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, see the world from a woman's point of view. 
Danae, really welcome to Otherwise and thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Shadow, and hello to you and all the listeners. How's Chantel? She is very well. <laughs> she is very good. Listen, I can't, <laughs> Thank I, you for asking. No, I can't, you know, I can't talk to the willies and not ask about <laughs> me, one or the other. And, of course, I'm just, just so jealous because people think I lie when I say you guys sing so beautifully. And they say, well, why don't we hear them? Oh, you know, Shadow, I was actually saying to somebody that, I know you from university days, <laughs> and I think it's just such a blessing to be, you know, to be having this interview with you today and to just catch up on the music front. In terms of singing, well, I think for the past five years, my focus has been on putting the school together. Yes. Chantal is doing fabulous. Um, she's she's um, waving the banner very high oh, in terms beautiful. of music education. She's got a little one, oh. but she's doing her doctorate in ethnomusicology and trying to promote the South African banner Way of uh, music. So we love it. Way to go. Well done. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm not complaining because of the amazing work you are doing. Since 2012, <laughs> you stuck it out. 2010, actually. Yes. You stuck it out. And tell me wh- how, how it's developed over the years. Yes, so the Rainbow Academy, um, Shadow, as you know, I think you were around in the beginning days. We're an MPO and we're a school of performing arts and business that is designed for very exceptionally talented young people uh, between the ages of 17 and 25 who are passionate about performing arts, but they don't have financial means or social means or access, you know, to pursue further education. So the Rainbow Academy is a platform for them to come for a one-year program, uh, to pursue training, uh, to pursue um platforms of both job and work experience in the industry. But over and above that, Shadow, I want to say that I think we've we've come to understand that what we really want to do with our young people is to change their mindsets, to give them confidence, to build them as leaders, mm. so that they actually have what it takes to to be an ambassador in the arts and to actually create sustainable careers in the performing arts, which, as you know, is very difficult. It is very difficult. And, yeah. and, and saying that, I'm thinking... Do you have partners where, you know, they, when, when, when the kids leave the academy, yes. um, they need to get exposure in the theater? Do you have partners in the theater? You have, do you have partners in the music industry? How do you advance them to the next step? Yes. So um, what they do, the students, when they come to the Rainbow Academy, they also do exam shadow, and they do it in the gap between matric and access into uh, tertiary education or into the workforce. So, for example, we partner with Stellenbosch University where our graduates are upskilled enough to enter mm-hmm. music at the university if they wish to pursue that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have partnerships with many um business as well as performing arts institution and our aim is to actually grow that so that our students can step into um, job and career paths um, that they are able to truly you know flex their muscles and build upon the strengths and the skills that they would have acquired at the at the Rainbow Academy. Now seeing as these kids cannot afford school cannot afford uh, education on their own how do you fund them or who funds you to get these yeah. programs underway? Yeah. Well, we've been very blessed with amazing sponsors um, since 2010. 
um, amazing. We've got a list of amazing sponsors um, from from Ogilvy to Eurocape to Exgen to a number of business and hotel uh, sponsors. Because I think um, I'll, I think I've mentioned our program is not only performing arts and music; they also do uh, business, hospitality, mm-hmm. and tourism. Because we'd like them to have diversified skills, mm-hmm. so that when they leave the industry, they you know they would have had job experience in the broader creative industries. But funding comes from our sponsors. We've had amazing program partners, and we also try to do lots of fundraising work with the students um, and with our supporters so that we also work towards sustaining ourselves um, as an organization. So I suppose that's why we've got the Halloween gala dinner then. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why we have the Halloween gala dinner. Um, can I tell you? I hope. I mean, I hope you've got your stockings or your mask. No, but tell me, tell me, tell me, so I can prepare. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, we are celebrating our fifth birthday on the thirty-first of October, which also happens to be Halloween. But it's we, we, we're sort of punting it as the party of the year. We have Mark Lottering, fabulous Mark Lottering, mm. as our MC. We have our. Um, um, keynote speaker, uh, the Honorable Professor Wilmar James, and of course, everybody knows our wonderful DJ Bobby Brown, who will be hosting for the evening. Mm. And what the night comprises is um, people who are wanting to come and watch the World Cup final, because that is an issue. Yes. Um, we are starting the evening with the World Cup. Those who don't want to come to the, the World Cup final will proceed to the gala dinner. And it is an evening of showcasing our students, alumni. We have a very special aspect to the evening in that we've invited a host of VIP guests who will also be performing um, and so the night promises to be um, a magical celebration of music of the mu- of the music industry in both glamour and style and I think it's to celebrate youth, um, the talent that we have and I think the meeting of, of arts and business um, shadow which needs to happen so that our entire industry can mm. move forward. Mm. Tell me you're going to sing on the night, please. Of course. Ah, Only you're going to be there. There you have it. There you have it. So how much much does it cost to get in, Dinesh? Okay, so the tickets are... 1,000 rand per person, mm-hmm. or it is 10,000 per table. However, uh, we are providing a PBO certificate, which means it's a tax incentive for corporates. So yes. for corporates who are wanting to come and host their clients or to round off you know, their budget or their CSI spend, it's the perfect opportunity um, to come and not only share in, I think, the celebration of youth and the arts and culture, but to also to have the opportunity to mix with wonderful celebrities, our own celebrities. Mm. Mark Lutting, Bobby mm. Brown, mm. and a host of um, celebrities that will be there for the evening. But I think the point is that it gives us the chance to have fun, but to also pay back and make a difference because every table that is sold goes towards the beneficiaries of our students. It takes, well, our our program costs 500,000 rand a year to run. Mm. So, you know, it is hard work, sweat and tears. We have the passion of our teachers who all come with degrees and qualifications, and they work for very little. And I think that evening our aim is to raise funds to sponsor students and to ensure that we are able to put 30 students through a proper structured educational program that will that will provide a platform for them into careers within the creative industries 2016 and 2017. I wish you all the best, darling, and I hope it's a great success. Uh, Thank it's, it's you. It's at the President Hotel in Bantry Bay, right? That's right. Okay, and we'll give your email address for contact. But thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. 
Thank you, Shadow, and all the best to you and all the listeners. And I hope that um, everybody wants to come and watch the rugby and enjoy a beautiful evening with us. Well, Ricardo McCarthy, who's my technical producer today, says he definitely will be there. And I definitely know him, so I definitely, <laughs> I definitely expect to see him. Tell him thank you. Take care, honey. You take thank care. you, bye Shadow. Bye bye. That's Danae Willie, and you may find her on Dini D E A N Y at rainbowacademy.co.za but it is at the President Hotel on the 31st of October and uh, if you are interested uh, get hold of Danae Willie at the Rainbow Academy it is now time for our children's program because of the special broadcast of Finance Minister Nene's mini budget speech uh, a program is slightly shorter so we have our children's program now news coming up and then we'll make way for the special broadcast but first Nali Bali It's time for a story, a time when we can journey to many places and meet different faces. Sunny's Rainy Day Wish by Jude Daly It was school holidays and it was raining. Sunny sat at the kitchen window, making bets on which raindrop would get to the bottom of the window pane first. She breathed heavily on the glass and drew faces on the misted up window. She drew grumpy faces because that's how she was feeling. The rain kept on falling and clattering on their tin roof. It seemed to Sunny that it would never stop and to make matters worse, None of Sunny's friends could come over and play. Rummy, I'm so bored. What can I do? Tidy up your room, said Sunny's mother, who was busy ironing. And when it's done, we'll do something nice together. So Sunny went off to her room and started tidying up. <sighs> tidying is hard work. And it's so boring. Soon, Sunny climbed onto her bed and snuggled up to her cat, Rocky, who was fast asleep. She tried to get Rocky's attention by making a sort of scratchy, squeaky sound like a mouse. Squeak, 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 squeak. Rocky's ears moved a few times as if he was listening, but then he carried on sleeping. So Sunny wiggled her finger like a worm right in front of his nose. This time, Rocky opened one eye just enough to take a peek at the wiggly finger worm. Then he shut his eye again, curled up more tightly and went back to sleep. (sighs) Only the white dot at the very end of his long silky black tail flicked a little bit this way 
and a little bit that way, as if to say, Do not disturb me. For a while, Sunny lay there dreamily, watching Rocky's tail move a little bit this way and a little bit that way. Ah, oh, what fun it would be to have a tail. Then she closed her eyes and said, I wish, I wish I had a tail. Between here and now, her wish came true. Sunny had a tail. Not a stump of a tail like the dog next door. Not a fluffy cotton tail like the rabbit in her storybook. And definitely not a stringy rat's tail. No, Sunny's tail was long and silky and black. And at the very tip was a white dot. It was just like Rocky's tail. It was perfect. Sunny stood up on her bed. I can swish my tail and I can flick it. She jumped off the bed and she wiggled it and waggled it. It was such fun. <laughs> then she chased her long silky black tail with the white dot at the very end of it, round and round, faster and faster, until she was quite dizzy from all the twirling and whirling. And then, <gasps> when she looked outside, she saw that the rain had stopped. I'm going to play outside. She put on her rain boots, she brushed her hair and put it in two ponytails that looked more or less like Rocky's ears and she dashed outside. But in the rush, Sunny closed the back door too quickly and her tail got caught in it. Ouch! Then she stood on her tail. Ow! Then it got wet in the garden. Oh, no. Now my tail is all grubby. Yuck! Now, instead of a long, silky black tail with a white dot at the very end of it, Sunny had a long, muddy, stringy rat's tail. It even had leaves stuck to it. Now Sunny's long, muddy, stringy rat's tail whipped angrily from side to side, and each time it did, Sunny was almost swept off her feet. She tried to jump on it to keep it still, but it got away. She jumped again and again, but all that happened was that Sunny's tail flipped even more angrily from side to side, and as it did so, it sent leaves and sprays of muddy water all over Sunny, and there was nothing she could do about it. The big boys from next door heard the strange sounds from Sunny's backyard, so they climbed up a tree to see what was going on, and what they saw was almost but not quite, like Sunny doing some really crazy dance moves. <laughs> they burst out laughing, and one of them shouted, So what do you think you are, hey? A weird cat or a drowned rat or something? Poor Sunny. I don't want to have a tail anymore. I don't want to be a cat or a dog or a rat. Sunny did not want to be anything with a tail. All I want to do is be Mummy's little princess again. Sunny wanted things to go back to the way they used to be before she made her wish. Then she would tidy her room and not moan about the rain and having no one to play with. In fact, she would not moan about anything ever again. Suddenly, the dog next door spotted Sunny. <laughs> 
Sunny's tail shot straight up like a telephone pole, and it went as bristly as a toilet brush, which made the boys next door almost fall out of the tree. They were laughing so hard. <laughs> a tear trickled down Sunny's cheek. She closed her eyes and wished. I wish I didn't have a tail. And in between there and then, her wish came true. Sunny did not have a tail, and she was back on her bed, snuggled up to Rocky. Sunny, how's your room coming on? Her mom called. Almost finished. Sunny jumped off her bed. Oh, good girl! Let me know when it's done, and I'll come by and have a look. Sunny tidied up her room, chop chop. Then she called. It's done. So Sunny's mother went to have a look. Wow, you've done a great job! And now, my little princess, put on your rain boots and your jacket, and let's go down to Carla's Corner Coffee Shop for her rainy day special lunch. Sunny hopped and skipped all the way. She even splashed in some puddles. It was so much easier without a tail. Come to the end of today's story on Nali Bali. Did you know reading and telling stories to children at home can help them become better learners at school? If you would like more stories to read to children or for your children to enjoy on their own, visit www.nalibali.mobi on your cell phone, where you will find a number of stories in various languages for free. You'll also find tips for reading and sharing stories with children to encourage their potential. That's nalibali.mobi or find nalibali on Facebook and Mixit. Look out for the nalibali newspaper supplement with great stories and activities available in various languages in the Sunday World in Gauteng, KwaZulu Natal, and the Free State, the Sunday Times Express in the Western Cape. The Eastern Cape's Daily Dispatch on Tuesdays and The Herald on Thursdays. Story power. Bring it home. Well, that's it from us. We did say our program is going to be a, a bit shorter, but I'd just like to thank you for tuning in. And uh, somebody has just sent me uh, a tweet saying, please, can I give Cheeto Govera's details again? Well, it's www.thefutureofhope.org. And if you find yourself in Zimbabwe, then it's their center, which is the Future, Future of Hope Center, which is at 136 Christian Bank in, in Harare. And the event is on the 3rd of November. It starts at 9 a.m. And it only costs 20 Zim dollars per person. And there'll be very interesting talks there. I see Dr. Mampela Rampela is also going to be talking on the theme of food for the brain. And if you, I suppose, Google food for the belly, food for the brain, the future of hope, and that is the event itself. And lots of other interesting people and lots of other uh, interesting uh, topics that they will be talking on. We're back tomorrow at the same time. But for now, it is time for SAFM News with Uthile Sam.